This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. I just would like to welcome everyone that's tuned into Radio K Pulpit. This is Alana Willyfew, and you're with my um, program called Body Matters. And I just really hope that you all had a wonderful week, and it's so nice to be with you. And I just wanted to share today a topic which I feel is very relative in the times that we are living in. And what I'm going to be chatting about today is spiritual warfare and the promises of God's protection. So I'm going to jump straight into it and just talk about what is spiritual warfare. So if I if I want to just introduce the topic, when we accepted Jesus in our lives, he gave us the Holy Spirit and his spirit dwells within us. And the same spirit that raised the dead now lives in us. Isn't that powerful? That God's spirit, his spirit that is alive, lives within us. And the spirit in us has already overcome the enemy. So we as Christians, we are very powerful in the sense that God's Spirit lives lives in us. And I just want to start by reading John 1 verse 4, which says, Greater is he that is within us than he that is within the world. So without the Holy Spirit in us, we are unable to stand against the spiritual forces of the evil. You see, in the spiritual realm, Only spirit can fight spirit. And that is why in Zechariah 4 verse 6 it says, Not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's only because of God's spirit inside of us that we already have the victory and we have the authority over the enemy. So the biggest strategy, before we can even talk about spiritual warfare, I think one of the things that we need to mention is, what is the strategy of the enemy? And I believe the biggest strategy of the enemy is to deceive us through lies, through fear, and through doubt. You see, the devil is called the father of lies. And the father of lies comes against the spirit inside of us, which is called the spirit of truth. But let's just confirm that the enemy is, well, the father of lies. So if we look at John 8, 44, it says, You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. When he speaks lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Now to me, when we've got the Holy Spirit in us, and God says it's the spirit of truth. And because the biggest battle that we face today, and I think even in the Garden of Eden, it was deception. So the enemy's strategy is to deceive us. And I believe the biggest battle that we face today is between discerning the lies and the deception of the enemy versus the truth. And the first thing the enemy will try and do is to keep us from getting saved. So before you even get the spirit of truth in you, which is God's spirit, which he promises for his children, he will try and keep you from getting saved. And why would he do that? Because he knows when the spirit of truth lives within us, 
all the lies and deception will be exposed. So without the Holy Spirit inside of us, we are deceived and there's no truth within us. You see, deception keeps us powerless against the enemy. In Christ, we are more powerful than the enemy and we have authority over the principalities of evil. You see, many people are saved, but they don't know how to operate in the authority that we have. They have Christ inside of them, but because they are ignorant of the benefits that it, that comes with being a Christian, you know, the Bible says, my people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, it says, in that's in Hosea 4 verse 6, it says, I also reject you as priests because you ignore the law of your God, and I will also ignore you as children. You see, the Bible is the word of God. It's the constitution. You know, the more we grow in Christ, the more we abide in Christ, the more we learn um, the truth, because the word of God is the truth. And everything that that comes against us needs to be weighed up against the spirit of truth, against the word of God. And I believe the word of God is the manual or the constitution of heaven on earth. So without the, without the knowledge of the word, we can't be effective in exercising our right and authority on this earth. You see, the enemy wants to keep us ignorant of our identity. And that's another thing. Once we are rooted in Christ, I mean, once we are rooted in Christ and we, we need to find out who we are in and, and to become or to exercise our identity takes a while because our identity is rooted in who we belong to. And that gives us a sense of belonging and acceptance. And also within Christ, within our identity, there's also our purpose, our mission and our self-worth. You see, our identity is that we are children of the living God and we were created by him and for him. You see, the Lord made us to have fellowship with him. We were created for purpose and because of him, we are highly favored. We are the children of the king. In 1 Peter 2, 9 to 10, it says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. You see, once we, once we are saved, the enemy will do everything possible to prevent us from walking in our God-given purpose and calling. Because the mandate of all Christians is to destroy the kingdom of darkness, to reclaim the authority we lost in the Garden of Eden, and to bring God's rule and reign on this earth. Now, spiritual warfare is taking up our God-given authority, as I mentioned before, and against the schemes and the plans of the enemy. You see, we live in a physical world that is surrounded by an unseen spiritual world. When we wage war, it's not against the natural. It's not against that person that's coming against you. But it's the principalities that operate within that person. So in Ephesians 6.12, it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the authorities and power of the dark world and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You see, the truth is that the minute we give our lives to the Lord, we are, and, and as we mature as Christians, 
and we step into our calling, you know, when we once we function in our calling and we, we start making disciples out of other people, we become destructive, a destructive force in the kingdom of darkness. So we as the body of Christ become the hands and feet of Jesus to destroy the kingdom of darkness. And part of our calling is to establish the rule and reign of God's kingdom on this earth. Our mission is to establish, as I said, heaven on earth and set every person free that is bound to the kingdom of darkness, making disciples out of all nations. Our purpose is to not just... um make disciples, but to establish a kingdom culture. And I know this might seem foreign to many people, but once God inside of us, when he does a work in us, we become representatives of Jesus Christ on this earth. And we don't just become representatives, but we start living the Jesus culture. And when a Jesus culture is established on this earth, then we, we are living heaven on earth. Um, so we can only do do that by being obedient to the will of God and overcoming evil with good. And I just want to end off this section with the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, 9 to 13, which says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You see, it's bringing heaven to earth. Jesus himself came to demonstrate to us what the kingdom of heaven was like. So on that note, I'm going to take a short break and then we'll come back to say, what is, um, what is spiritual warfare? Thank you. Hi, if you've just tuned into Radio K Pulpit, you're with Alana Willyfear with my program called Body Matters. And today I've just been discussing spiritual warfare, just the strategies of the enemy. And I just want to have a look at how do we do spiritual warfare? Because so many people say, okay, how do I do spiritual warfare? So I'm going to give you a little bit of a, of a breakdown and a summary of what spiritual warfare is. And just to come back of what I said previously, Jesus himself came to earth to demonstrate to us what the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven was like. So just keep that in mind. So in a nutshell, in point form, how do we do spiritual warfare? When we give our lives to Jesus Christ and we make that commitment in faith, that is spiritual warfare. And I know I'm taking it from a completely different perspective. But we've just stepped out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. When we preach the gospel of good news to the unsaved, we are bringing light to the dark world and we are doing damage to the kingdom of darkness. When we pray for others' salvation and lead them to Christ, when we baptize people with water and pray for them for the baptism of the Spirit, when we go out and make disciples out of all nations, when we take up our calling, we are doing spiritual warfare. By praying for healing and deliverance, for people, destroying the hold that Satan has over their lives. 
we are doing spiritual warfare. So what we are doing, we are taking people out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And especially when you talk about when we talk about praying and healing and delivering people. You know, God Himself, when He was on earth, demonstrated what the kingdom of heaven was like. And God healed the sick. He delivered those that were bound from the kingdom of darkness. And in doing that, we are winning souls for the kingdom of of heaven. By teaching others the word of God and helping them to mature as Christians, those of you that have a, uh, a gift for teaching, and if that's your gifting and you step out into your gifting, you are, are already a threat to the kingdom of darkness because you're taking up your God-given gift, and that is to mature people, to encourage people, to grow people, to come become mature. Um, so by presenting Jesus through the conduct of our lives, you know, when our lives, when we, we, when we um, are transformed by the Holy Spirit, the outward manifestation of the Holy Spirit in us is the fruits of the Spirit. And the fruits of the Spirit is kindness, goodness, gentleness, patience. When we live that way and we live in peace and in joy, then we are doing damage to the kingdom of, of darkness because we are we become representatives of Jesus and people would want to to be won over without our without us even even having to say a word, people can be won over by our ways. And as I said before, by using your God-given gifts, stepping out into your calling. And you know, just must remember when God gives you a calling and you step out into that calling, it's not just to benefit you, it's to benefit the people around you. It's where God had placed you. That is the place where you have influence. And where you have godly influence, you are a threat to the kingdom of darkness. You know, through praise and worship, through declaration, through prayer, we are bringing heaven to earth. We are, we are doing spiritual warfare. We are proclaiming, we're calling things that are in heaven to earth. Um, we are declaring um, God's word over our lives. So we are taking back our authority that was lost in the Garden of Eden, even operating, I said, in our gifts, in the gifts of the Spirit. Um, is to encourage and strengthen the body of Christ. You see, by helping others to step in their purpose and in doing and fulfilling their purpose as the body of Christ, we are helping people. By helping people, we are doing damage to the kingdom of darkness. Now, you might think, you know, what I'm saying, is this really spiritual warfare? And I want to tell you that because we've got the Holy Spirit inside of us, we already got the victory. You know, there's a scripture that says we need to call things into existence as if they exist. Because they do. We have everything. We are victorious. It's by our faith that we already have overcome the enemy. And all we need to do is be obedient to Christ, to be spirit-led and obedient to the Spirit of God. And once we start operating in the kingdom of heaven, in the kingdom principles, the enemy has no power against us and um, by doing God's purpose and will and taking up that calling we already 
um, as I said, we are already powerful weapons in God's hands. Um, just to elaborate a little bit on prayer, I know prayer is also one way in which um, we do warfare. And prayer is such a powerful weapon. You see, we are told to put on the, also the armor of God and pray in the Spirit in all occasions. And I'm going to come back to the, to the armor of God a little bit later. But when we pray, it says that the angels, the spiritual beings, heeds to the word of God. So in Psalm 103, verse 20, it says, Bless the Lord, all his angels, you mighty ones who carry out his plans, listening to each of his commands. So when we pray and we declare things in the spirit, God's angels are put to work to carry out those plans. And just to think about that, um, the story in Daniel, where Daniel was praying, and I think it was the angel Gabriel that said, I think it took him 21 days to come, and he said that he had to fight in the spirit. He was fighting a battle before he could do um, before he could actually answer Daniel's prayer. So that is just a wonderful example that when we pray, we are putting the spiritual beings in motion, God's angels. So when we declare the word of God over our lives, pray according to his words, as I said, we set the angels' emotions to act upon his word. And this means that we are giving God and his angels permission to intervene on our behalf. And angels are there to protect us and fight on our behalf. And that is also in Psalm 91, where he says he commands his angels to protect us wherever we go. You see, the enemy will even use use and work through people to harm us. You know, sometimes we think um, that we are fighting against flesh. But in reality, we but the enemy is not the flesh it's, it's what's behind the flesh. And it says, just to remind you, our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the principalities of evil. And I just want to read out of Romans 12, 19 to 21, that says, um, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, repay says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, Feed him. Give him something to drink. In doing this, you will put burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I just want to repeat that last part because this is spiritual warfare in a nutshell. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You see, one of the biggest ways to overcome evil is to do good, even when we don't feel like it. You know, when someone hurts us and, and does things, we the first thing we want to do is take revenge. Do you know how hard it is to actually be nice to that person or, um, you know, want to do anything for them? But you see, that is a deliberate act of obedience to... It's like, really, you need to, to have self-control and deliberately do what is right in that situation. And that is what God commands us to do. And it says in Matthew 5, 44, it says, But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who spitefully use and persecute you. You see, when we are Christians, Christians is not an easy walk. You know, we need to choose the narrow road. And sometimes it's so difficult but you see, God is such a good God. 
when we step out in obedience. You know, at the end of the day, God is the one that fights our battles for us. Um, And just coming back to that scripture, it says we should also pray for our enemies when we do this. We are taking, the reason why we need to pray for enemies is because we're taking authority over the principalities that are operating in and through them. And we must remember that our battle, as I said, is not against flesh. Just another scripture in Luke 6, verse 33, it says, And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Because even sinners do that. You see, all of the above scriptures are acts of obedience resulting into, as I said, deliberate acts of spiritual warfare. You see, we have everything, as I said, inside of us, the Holy Spirit, to overcome the enemy. And in Romans 8, 37, it says, we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus who loves us. You see, when we are facing a spiritual battle, we need to rely on the Holy Spirit to guide us and help us because because it's only because of him that we are victorious. And I just want to take a break on that. And then I want to chat when I come back a little bit about God's protection. Thank you. Hi, if you've just tuned into Radio K Pulpit, it's Alana Willie for you. And this is my program called Body Matters. And I've just been chatting about spiritual warfare. What is spiritual warfare? What is the strategy of the enemy? And, you know, how we can overcome um, and how do we do damage to the kingdom of darkness? And one of the principles for me that just stood out about what I was chatting about earlier on was to overcome evil with good. But now I just want to focus a little bit about, um, a little bit on God's protection. You see, because we are, on one hand, we need to take up our authority, but on the other hand, God is also God that protects us. So I just want to focus on on protection. You see, the Lord is our protector. You see, we belong to a mighty God who is all-powerful and is all-knowing. And if I read in Romans 31 verse 1, it says, If God is for us, who can be against us? You see, he cares about his children and every detail of our lives. And in this world, I mean, we are prone to all kinds of hardships and troubles and persecution. But if God is on our side, we can truly trust and rely on him to deliver us and protect us. In Proverbs 18, verse 10, it says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are saved. So what is a tower? A tower is a high and safe place, which is normally part of a fortress where watchmen would stand and they would guard the city and then would sound an alarm whenever danger was near. You see, the Lord is our tower and our refuge in times of trouble. Um, Many of you know Psalm 91 because that is such a beautiful um, psalm that really talks about God's protection. But I just want to focus on On Psalm 91, 1 to 2, which says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadows of the Almighty and will say to the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. You see, I want to not just focus on God as being our fortress, 
But it says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. And therefore, there is power in the name of Jesus. You know, calling on the name of the Lord during times of trouble is times of trouble is powerful because there's so much power in his name and he is the name above all names i want to read philippians 2 9 11 which says therefore god has highly exalted exalted him that's talking about jesus and has freely bestowed on him the name that is above all names that at the mention of the name of jesus Every knee shall bow of those in heaven, those on earth, and those under the earth, and that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Now, the name of God is highly exalted that even demons shudder to hear his name. Even they are submissive to the name of Jesus Christ. And it's in the name of Jesus that, um, you know, demons are cast out, you know, demonic activity is, is um, cast out. And I want to just focus on Luke ten seventeen that says, the 22 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. This was his disciples. So in the name of Jesus, we have authority over the enemy and the kingdom of darkness. And just to continue on, on, on the power of the name of Jesus, in Romans ten thirteen it says, Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And I know so many so many people take it as salvation, but I think there's so there's such a bigger perspective of this um, way of seeing the scripture because it could be saved in times of trouble. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord. So whenever we are in trouble, we should call on his name. And by doing this, we're also acknowledging, God, we need you. Without you, we are powerless against the enemy. And in Psalm 91, again, 14 verse 15, it says, Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. I just want to repeat that. The Lord says, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. You see, the Lord says that he will be with us in times of trouble. And sometimes he does not always deliver us from trouble. You know, sometimes we go through really difficult times and you know, and sometimes we, we're calling upon the Lord to deliver us, but sometimes God doesn't deliver us. He He is with us. He goes through that whole process with us. And I just want to read um, um, Isaiah 43 verse 2. It says, when you pass through deep waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. You see, the Lord is there. Sometimes he delivers us. Sometimes he goes and he walks with us through the times of trouble. But he still promises that he will protect us. You see, the Lord also says that he will uphold us and help us in times of trouble. He does 
it does not want us to be afraid. I know so many times we go through times we are afraid, we're anxious, we are fearful. And God says he's there, he's there to protect us. And it says here in Isaiah 41, 10 to 11, where the Lord says, Do not fear, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And all who rage against you will surely be ashamed and disgraced. Those who oppose you will be nothing and perish. I mean, that's such a beautiful scripture. And and just to continue, um, another scripture in Psalm 91, 7, it says, A thousand may fall on your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You see, in the midst of chaos and destruction, when we are children of the living God and we call out to him, he will protect us. You see, we need to put our trust in God in times of trouble and stand firm, knowing that God is working behind the scenes. You know, God hears our prayers. He knows the situations that we are in and that we are, you know, that we are in at the moment. And sometimes God just wants us to wait upon him. And I think the worst thing as a Christian is to wait. You know, God, when are you going to do this? When are you going to come through for me? And I think many of us have been there. You know, it feels like it's just going on for years. But I just want to remind you that even when you don't feel anything, even when you don't see anything, just believe that God is working all things out for your good. He is working behind the scenes. It says, the word of God says, he hears your prayers. So sometimes it's just to wait. And in Exodus 14, 13 to 14, it says, Again, do not be afraid. Stand firm. And you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you and you will hold your peace. You see, our ways are not, and is not God's ways. His thoughts are higher than our ways. And sometimes we just don't understand, you know, why God, why aren't you here for me? But I just want to say that God is always with us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. The Lord is the one who fights for us when we take refuge in him. And he will keep us safe in the palm of his hands. And he's the one that puts his angels to work on our behalf. And in Psalm 91, 11 to 12, it says, and I've, I've read this one earlier on, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your feet against a stone. And I, I really, if I think about Psalm 91, I always think of, of 911, you know, if you really need it. And um, for some of you, I mean, I, I at one stage of my life um, actually um, just really recited um, Psalm 91. And it's so handy because you never know when you're going to, to be in time where you really need to call on God. 
Um, you know, God wants to protect us physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and financially. You know, He's interested in our whole being of protection. And as we put on our physical clothes every day, the Word of God says that we should put on our spiritual clothing. And as children of God, we are enlisted in His army as we are fighting a daily battle. You know, we are, we as Christians are fighting a daily battle. The enemy is wandering around, um, as the Word of God says, um, seeking who he can devour. So the armor is our protection gear. And in Ephesians 16 to 18, it says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take up your stand against the schemes of the enemy. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rule, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of the evil in the heavenly realm. Therefore, put on the whole armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm with the belt of the truth, the buckle that's buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith in which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the word, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit in all occasions with all kinds of request. With this in mind, be alert. And always keep on praying for the entire, for the entire, for in the yeah, for for the Lord's people, and so um, let's just look at the armor of God quickly. This is just the way I perceive it, you know, the helmet of salvation. When we put on the helmet of salvation, we got our our thoughts and our mind. Because I've told you, the enemy, um, the strategy is to. Through, through planting seeds of doubt, fear, and that all is in the mind. So if we put on the helmet of, of salvation, is to protect our thoughts. The breastplate of righteousness is to guard your heart because the Lord says, guard your heart with all diligence because out of it comes the issues of life. You know, God wants us to be pure in heart. And the only way that we can guard our heart is actually to guard our minds. So the breastplate of righteousness to guard your heart and the belt of the truth, as I said earlier, one of the strategies of the enemy is to come against us with lies and doubt and fear and anxiety. But when we've got the, the spirit of truth, the buckle of the truth, the belt of truth on us, you know, we can stand in the truth. The shield of faith, I mean, that is our faith, is to protect us against anything that comes against the word of God. The sword of the word is when we pray continuously in the spirit. You know, God says pray. It says put on the armor of God and then pray continuously all the time in the spirit and stand and wait because God will fight the fight for you because you've done everything that you can. And when we are, and then as I said, at the end, we are, we are told to stand firm. And see that God will come through for us. And another last thing that I want to touch on before we end this program. Um, and I don't think a lot of people have actually, um, you know, spent time on, on thinking about tithing. And I just want to mention this because tithing has a, a promise of protection connected to it. 
Um, you see, God is interested in our finance. He doesn't just want to protect us. He wants to protect our, us in our workplaces. He wants to protect our finances. He wants us to prosper. And um, you see, he, because of that, it says we, we should actually tithe. Um, and according to many, they say we should tithe 10% of our salary. But according to the word, we should be cheerful givers. So I just want to touch on tithing a little bit, and then I want to bring it to the promise of God connected to it. In 2 Corinthians 9, 7, it says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctant or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And I believe this is tied to tithes and offerings and just, just giving in general. You know, sometimes people, I've heard many people say they're not going to give to the church because they don't know what the church does with it. But it's up to the church leaders to decide before the Lord how they distribute the money for God's greatest purpose. And our responsibility is to give. Um, you know, that is all that we should be focusing on. And we need to remember that it's the Lord that gives us the ability to create wealth. In um, Deuteronomy 8.18, it says, But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. You see, everything that we have, everything that we own, um, you know, it's a blessing from God. And it's his money at the end of the day. And every time when God blesses us, that blessing is not meant for us. God will bless you financially so that you may be a blessing to others. And um, and God has given us the responsibility as Christians to sow back into the church and to other people's needs. Someone once said to me, you know, if you are stingy to give when you have little, imagine how stingy you will be when you have much. And that is something that we really need to think about because sometimes we say, no, when I've got money, I will, you know, when I, when I have more money, then I'll be able to give my, you know, my tithing and everything. But if you're not faithful with a little, where are you going to be faithful when you get much? Then you're going to say, no, 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 this is too much. But anyway, I don't want to focus too much on tithing, but I want to, as I said, get back to the point of the promise connected to it. So in Matthew 19, 24, and that, this is just, again, tying into tithing, which is, again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Okay, so let's get back to, to tithing. Okay, so tithing is not just about giving, but more important, it's about the spiritual promise of protection and blessing connected to it. So I want you just to listen carefully in Malachi 3, 9 to 12, that says, you are cursed with a curse for robbing me, even the whole nation. And it says, bring all the tithes into the storeroom, that there may be food in my house. So what is God saying? Bring, bring your tithing, sow your tithing to the church or wherever you fellowship. And try me on this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven. What is God saying? He's saying, I want to challenge you, pay your tithing, and then at the end, see how I'm going to bless you in abundance and pour out for you such a blessing that there will be, there will not be enough room to receive it. Okay, so God's saying here, and I'm just breaking it down, bring in the tithing, 
um, and then I'm challenging you to do that, then see how I'm going to bless you. And it says, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your grounds, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit in the field, says the Lord of hosts. So what is God saying? God is saying to us, when you bring in your tithing, I will bless you and I will protect your means of income. I will protect the fruit of your ground, your vine, whatever you you sowing into, whatever you're doing, it will not fail. It will prosper. It will bear fruit, says the Lord of hosts. And all the nations will call you blessed for you will be a delight a delightful land, says the Lord. So when we are obedient into tithing, the Lord promises to protect our business, our crops, and he will devour the devour on our behalf, meaning that he will fight for our finances so that we may be a blessing, not just to us, but to others. You see, when God invests in our business, God invests in our business when we invest in his business. You see, we must remember, and I want to end off with this, and it says, we must remember that nothing on this earth is permanent. You know, we cannot put our trust or our security in what we earn. We cannot put it in our spouses, um, family members, any person. We cannot hold on to that. Nothing on this earth is secure. The only thing that you and I can hold on is God. He is the only thing that is secure. You see, in Matthew 24, 35, it says, Heaven and earth will pass, pass away, but my word will never pass. You see, God is our protector. He is our provider. And at the end of the day, we are nothing without him. He has us safe in the palm of his hands. And I just want to end off with that. And I would just like to pray for all your listeners out there and um, just pray for God's blessings and, and his protection over your lives. So let's just pray together. Father, I just want to thank you and pray, praise you, Lord, for every listener out there. Father, you know everything that they are going through. You know where they are at. You know, Father, some of them might be calling out to you right now, maybe calling out to you for their healing, calling out for, you know, Lord, for for financial blessings there might be such a need father and and father god whatever that need is lord i pray that you will provide for them i pray lord whatever situation they might find themselves whether they are fearful that you will be with them that you will protect them father god and i pray that as they pray and they speak your word lord that you will just go and fight on their behalf father god that you will fight the good fight for them, that they will find refuge in your under under the shadows of your wings, Father. And Lord, as they call out to you, Father, that you will command your angels to protect them wherever they are, Father God, that you'll be with their going ins and coming outs. And Father, you know every situation, you know their hearts, you know their thoughts, you know their needs. And I pray today that you will just bless them, that they will experience your love, that you'll enfold them and that you'll keep them safe in the palm of your hands, Father God. And I ask this in Jesus' name.
Amen. So I just want to thank you for spending this time and just, um, you know, just listening to my, um, you know, my message for today. And I, and I pray somewhere along the line that maybe just one word or one sentence would, um, you know, just penetrate your heart and that would just um, give you the desire just to get up and, and just pray and just to seek God in times of trouble. And so unfortunately, this is the end of my program and I'm so looking forward to chatting again next week. So I hope you all have a wonderful, blessed week that lies ahead. And I know it's another short week, which is so nice. And so from me, Alana Willifier, have a blessed week. Until next time. Goodbye. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.